Hey everyone, and welcome to the House Conspiracy Podcast, a show about the house and on the house. I'm Jonathan O'Brien, and I'm the founding creative director at House Conspiracy. Today I'm speaking with Alice Hung about bamboo, artistic and utilitarian practice, and how bamboo functions as a medium in all its different relevant contexts. Uh, this is a good talk with someone so intensely dedicated and surrounded by their craft, someone who spent many years sort of, not single-mindedly, because I don't think Alice is a single-minded person, but very much straight and narrow, dedicated to creating something or creating many somethings with one material. So for that sort of unique experience alone, uh, this podcast worth a listen. Um, anyway, just some quick housekeeping. Uh, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're on iTunes, if you could give us a rating and a review, that'd be wild. Uh, it really helps us get visible. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at House Conspiracy. And you can visit our website to see how we can support you at houseconspiracy.org. Um, and if you want to support us in other ways, you can head to houseconspiracy.org slash donate or slash volunteer. And you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org. Oh, and this is the first show where we've got glorious volunteer producer Tyler William Morrison behind the audio. I've been committing the cardinal sin up to this point of doing my own levels. So hopefully things start sounding better from here on out. Um, and I have, I have to say, I thought having a producer in the back of the room while recording an interview would be kind of weird and that I wouldn't like it and that I'd probably fire Tyler. But this was actually pretty good. Um, having, having someone there sort of doing that was a weight off my shoulders and actually made, I think, the interview sort of a smoother process. Um, but anyway, now on to the show. Alice Hong has the nicest smelling studio in House Conspiracy. There are native offcuts placed in the corners and they've been there pretty much since Alice arrived and they look gorgeous against the white studio walls. Alice has been away for three years now, so it's no surprise she wants to surround herself with eucalypts. Um, she's been over in Taiwan living out a life she fell into tangentially, training up in her craft in a place with a name literally translating to Bamboo Mountain. And now she's here in House Conspiracy, gracing us with her weaving skills and processes, and doing so in a very active way. During her time here, she's been teaching and demonstrating, as well as traveling over to Maclay Island to harvest bamboo that she's then used to create her work here. And three years, three years to be away, that's a long time. So the fact that Alice chose to spend three weeks of a month-long return to her hometown of Brisbane at House Conspiracy is a true honor. She was sat on the deck the other day, actually, and she saw someone she hadn't crossed paths with in three years, and we witnessed that all together. And then she went back to helping out Jesse and I with Jesse's knitting on the deck. It was special, so we've been glad to have Alice here. Now, here's Alice Hong. You've only been in Australia sort of from a few days before your residency started, right? That's right, yes. Um, how long were you away? Where were you? What were you doing? Um, I was away for a, uh, three years and um, I was away doing an apprenticeship in um, traditional Taiwanese bamboo weaving. Now, how does that come about? Uh, you mean, how did I land? <laughs> how does that happen? How does it happen? How, how well, did you end up there? Like, what, what was the sequence of events? Well, originally I was actually working in architecture and then I decided that it probably wasn't something that I wanted to do in the long run. Um, and I wanted to do, like, I was always interested in handicrafts um, and I did a bit of um, translating here and there. Uh, so there came an opportunity where um, I met an artist 
from Woodford, who'd been, so he's a Taiwanese artist, who'd been invited to Woodford, and uh, we kept in touch while I was still in Taiwan. Um, and he said, oh, I've got a translation gig for you in a place called, um, literally translating to in English, Bamboo Mountain. I'm like, seriously? Like, it's literally called Bamboo Mountain? He's like, yeah. All right, uh, are you free on this date? Let's go. So I went to check it out, um, did some translating, and then met my current teacher there. But we, we, we call them master, just as a, mm-hmm. as a sign of respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so your current master, were you translating for him, or was it just a fluke that you ran into him? Like, oh, um, her actually. Her, sorry. No, no sorry. that's fine. But, the, but it's it's interesting because um, it's not just um, it, I think this is such a common like uh, a common occurrence that people go, oh, like is he your teacher? Mm. And I'm like, oh, actually no. Um, yeah, she's a lady, and um, she's. A, similar age to my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done it for about 25 years. Um, so I wasn't translating for her directly at the at the um, conference that they had, but um, she was one of the main um, invited guests. So I had a bit of, um, just I was just chatting to her in the, you know, amongst everything else that was happening. And then we got along and she's like, well, hey, if you, you know, if you ever want to learn, um, let me know, I can teach you. I thought she was joking at first, but um, after all, I was like, maybe I will take her seriously. <laughs> I'll and pretend she was not joking. And then you stuck around for three years. Well, for two years. Um, for the first year, I was in Taipei. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so that's the, a big city. Um, yep. And then I moved to um, Bamboo Mountain, which is a, a, a smaller town. Yeah, so how, I was there for two whole small? years. Um, probably, let's say, oh, it's probably like a similar vibe to Toowoomba. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Taiwanese Toowoomba. Taiwanese Toowoomba, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's, it's very artistic, just like Toowoomba as well. So that's why okay. I, that's why I give that analogy. Yeah, and it's got an emerging sort of um, um, handicraft scene and mm-hmm. um, a lot of government support with developing this side of um, this side of whether you want to call it tourism or cultural um, heritage. Yeah. Okay. Sort of preservation. Yeah. Exactly. While still moving forward with the bamboo practice. Um, so you, but you'd been working in bamboo at Woodford prior to this trip to Taiwan. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So what, what were you doing there? What drew you to bamboo? Um, what's your background that sort of got you here? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, with the bamboo, um, I just remember um, my parents' friends, they had a lot of bamboo in their garden mm-hmm. when I was little. And growing up when I visited, I'd always be really interested just playing amongst the bamboo with their children. Um, I didn't use it to make anything as such, not with the bamboo specifically, because you don't realize you can use a saw when you're five years old. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what I did do was, um, what I did do a lot of was, um, I picked up um, a lot of the surrounding twigs, leaves, and, you know, the little natural, um, you know, plants, flowers, bits and pieces, and I'd always make, um, I didn't always know what I was making. But I thought it looked nice in the end. You're just um, putting things together. Exactly, yeah. And sometimes I'd find something that I thought looked like, you know, the equivalent of a, a flower that looked like it would be fit for a fairy to use as a toilet. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, yeah. fairies do use flowers as toilets. Oh, great. Um, now yeah, I know. It's, yeah, it's well known. <laughs> um, um, so from there, did you sort of remain uh, sort of involved in craft and artisan practice? Um, I hadn't done it directly. I, I, did, I always did a lot of... Um, sort of craft um, on the side of schooling and everything when I was little, but not with natural materials as such, mainly in beading. 
But it was just always something to do with the hand. It was always very haptic. Mm-hmm. Um, anything that I did with the hands, um, you know, making something, um, yeah, it always made me really happy. Uh, but with the bamboo, it came about um, because I really like natural materials, and I think that goes back to childhood, and that goes back to the whole sense of um, creating something. But you know, it doesn't necessarily have to last forever. It, I think it really depends on the context. Sometimes it can, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to. I don't think that's necessarily the way someone has to make their mark in this world. Sometimes it's about the moment and bringing people together, and it's about having that energy being passed on rather than the object being sure. passed on. So it's about exper- uh, experientialist, I guess, yes, sort, yes. Of, yes. sort of practice. Um, does bamboo last? I don't know much about it. As sort of a material, you, oh, yeah, you can, it, it yeah. lasts, right? Uh, it, it depends on how you preserve it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also depends on the climate. So it, it's all very contextual. Uh, and species, it also depends on the species. You were saying working with Australian bamboo is quite different. Yeah, well, the ones that I've managed to find in Australia. Some bamboos you can find commonly across all different countries in the world. Uh, but uh, uh, to put this simply, basically, there are, there are natural ways of... Um, preserving bamboo and there's also chemical ways of uh, preserving bamboo with the natural methods obviously uh, since it's natural it, it will last for a while but it's going to last forever um, the chemical type will last a bit longer and like I said there's no better or worse it just depends on what you're looking for it just depends on how long you want it to last exactly. does it and what you need to use that piece for mm-hmm. does yeah. it affect the aesthetics of it at all like do you, uh, do it you can yep. is there a do you prefer do you prefer i guess to oh, preserve do I it naturally or chemically um or are you I, very pragmatic um <laughs> i i personally as a purely aesthetic matter i prefer the natural mm-hmm. but i do recognize that if you want it to last for a bit longer you do need to put in the um you do need to preserve it otherwise it's not going to last the way that it looks when it's freshly made. It will wither away and it won't look as... Um, I think it's just a very personal thing. I think it just really depends on the person. Yeah. yeah. But me personally, natural. Natural. Yeah. So not even naturally preserved, just natural? Yeah, just as it is. Yeah. Okay. As a purely aesthetic thing, just natural is like... I think that's the most beautiful state that it could be in vis- cool. visually. Yeah. Because is that... Do you, are you quite a naturalist person yourself like do you prefer to sort of be out in nature or your city person I mean you've been in Bamboo Mountain for two years yeah um I like both I think um that's a really good question because um uh when I used to live in the city I um, studied um at QUT as well mm-hmm. um what did you study yeah I, uh, architecture, architecture yep. yeah I, I thought I was a I thought I was a nature person because you know you live in the city you live in the suburbs and, you know, when you're getting away into nature, you're like, wow, this is beautiful. I love nature. But I think when you are in nature for a long time as well, you do miss the hustle and the bustle. So I won't say that I'm either or, but it's, um, I think, balance. You yeah. need a balance of both. Yeah. So, yeah. You, so you, how, do you think you've found that balance? Um, you're back in Brisbane now and you're only here for a month, right? Yeah, for a month, just visiting family and um, also just um, having a look around to see what the ba- what sort of different bamboos are available in Australia, just to see, um, you know, how this art can transcend or translate, depending on what verb you feel comfortable using there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, across different countries in the world because um, bamboo is starting to emerge as a um, well it's always been an eco-material uh, but it just hasn't had that label 
Um, and it'd be good to see how it could be applied in other places because it's not just used for art, really. It used to be used as a very utilitarian material. So, um, for example, um, uh, if I was to make... If I was to do something in Taiwan as a business, uh, and I have done this before, which I thought was interesting, um, there, there was a, a traditional Chinese medicine um, owner, a shop owner, who um, needed to order a, a special sort of vessel for making his, um, his pills. Mm. And that needed to be made of natural material, so bamboo. And so I was weaving one of them, and I was like, oh, this is... It's interesting to see how you need to work with certain angles and everything to make sure that the pills don't get stuck and whatnot. Um, but then I was thinking, you, if you replicate this, and I don't think people really need this in countries like Australia. So I think it's what people value would be different. Um, so yeah. coming here for this one month, it's also good to see again. I had this idea, like I already had an idea of what people might like in Brisbane since I you know, was Lived born here, here yeah. grew up here. Yeah. Um, but um, it's just good to see it again through a different perspective now that I have the knowledge of, I would have some knowledge, I won't say I know everything, some knowledge of bamboo. And um, what have you noticed sort of being here in Brisbane? What have you noticed sort of about maybe the place that bamboo has? Um, well, uh, for starters, there's a lot of people interested in it um, and um, how it could be applied. Um, I think it could be applied in a lot to do with, I think, outdoors, the outdoors. Um, there's a lot of, in Australia, we're very lucky because we have so much backyard space, or yep. if not a backyard, a front yard. If not either, then at least there's always a park. There's Outdoor living is a very large part of the Australian lifestyle, and mm -hmm. I think that's where bamboo can come in because you could make something to last permanently or you could make something to be a bit more ephemeral, but either way, you can enjoy this natural material in an outdoor setting, and um, I think that's the that's the main difference between Taiwan and Australia. Taiwan would be probably more about um, using it as a vessel mm -hmm. inside the, the household, because um, well, Taiwan's a small country. Um, it's got the same population as Australia, but in tiny geography, right? Yeah, it's um, one quarter the size of Tasmania. Yeah, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, outdoor living's probably not so much of something that they can enjoy that much there. That uh, or maybe they do it in a different way. But certainly in Australia, we're lucky that we've got this sort of lifestyle that we can use bamboo in as well. Yeah, okay, yeah. far out. Um, and you were mentioning sort of that bamboo can be either, um, uh, in terms of engaging in outdoor living, it can be either ephemeral or it can be a permanent thing. Now, judging by the fact that you prefer the bamboo to be kept natural, um, you prefer, I suppose, the ephemeral experience? I and oh that's a it's personal thing, yeah yeah like. that's a uh, good question. Um, um, I would like to just say yes exactly, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it is a bit of both. Like I mm -hmm. said, it's very contextual. Like it really depends on what it's used for. You know, for example, like if you have a pavilion that might take a long time to make, um, you might like to make that last a bit longer, especially if you had maybe your neighbours come to help, and because um, bamboo. Bamboo building is a very communal, like it's a very communal activity. So I think there's two ways to look at this pavilion, so to speak. Um, one way could be, you know, make it last longer because everyone came to help, and it'd be nice to have that there for a long time. But another way to look at it, if the the, the community was close knit enough, is that well, let's make it ephemeral because if it 
if it gets knocked down or if it weather, like weathers away over time, well, the community's always there to help rebuild it. So mm. I think it's very contextual. It just really depends on what's available around you. And and I think this is the, the contextuality of bamboo. I think that's what's the main spirit of it from when people start first started using it, you know, oh, thousands of years ago. Yeah. Um, till now, I think that's the same spirit that's carried through because, you know, in the villages, making, using this whole process of making bamboo together, that was a very communal process. Yeah, and um, so, you know, uh, usually the more physically able, um, mm -hmm. regardless of gender, they yeah. would be the ones who would, you know, go harvest their bamboo and then, you know, the more, I guess, pe people who, who were more deft with their hands, they would then you know, process it and start weaving things and whether you use it for the home or sell it, it's it's all it's like a system. Like it all it, it all links everyone together. Sure, it's uh, it's like a community supply chain. Mm, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned in your application to sort of pivot a little bit. Um, you mentioned in your application the sort of like spiritual element of bamboo weaving and the, the patience sort of element there like do you do you find the process to be meditative do you find it to be sort of rewarding in and of itself yes definitely um it may look like a lot of hard work from the outside um a lot of people are like wow you're doing this and it looks like a lot of hard work but honestly like it, while it is it's also very rewarding it's it, it it's worth the hard work i'll put it that way mm -hmm. um Especially the weaving part, it's it's very um, the weaving part is very meditative because you're essentially looking at individual strips of fiber coming together to become something larger. So you know it's it's the it's a, it's the same analogy with society. You know the fabric of society. You mm -hmm. have different individuals come together, creating something larger than yep. itself. Yeah. yeah, so that's I think that's a very meditative part of weaving. As for the processing of the materials, um, that is not so much meditative. That's probably a <laughs> bit more laborious. <laughs> but you do. But it is important. As by processing, what do you mean? Which by part? pressing the, the material. So what I mean is um, if you want to weave, first you have a whole pole of bamboo, right? Mm -hmm. So you need to convert the whole pole into individual strips. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't sound meditative. <laughs> <laughs> depending how people define meditative <laughs> yeah um but anyway you're saying that that's not so meditative but is it is it still rewarding because you know what you're working towards exactly yeah and it's a very crucial part of um the meditation process i, I believe um because uh there's a aphorism in in mandarin that goes um first there is so the literal translation is first there is bitterness and then after bitterness comes sweetness. What it mm -hmm. means is first there is hard work and then you'll enjoy what you've... You'll reap the rewards afterwards. Um, and I think that's exactly what it's like with processing the material first because first you have to... It, actually, I, I know you haven't touched on this yet, but since we're on this topic, weaving is probably not the hardest bit. It's actually processing the bamboo. If you can't process bamboo, it doesn't matter how good you are weaving because... Even if you're really good at weaving, if your materials aren't, are uneven or if they've got splinters on them, it's going to affect how your end result looks. So, um, yeah, even more important than knowing how to weave is how to process the material. Right, because weaving doesn't matter if you've got nothing to weave with. Exactly, yeah. Sure. Um, so, 
here's a, here's a sort of interesting question that I have for you. Is um, you always have interesting questions. <laughs> yeah, thanks. This one though, in particular. Oh, you've thrown me off my guard, Jesus. <laughs> uh, um, I haven't even asked the question yet and answer. It's all it's all off. It's all out of whack. Um, hey, uh, so in terms of. I want to talk about the divide because you talk about bamboo weaving as sort of being at once ephemeral, at once like it's it's a lot of things. In fact, bamboo weaving the the way you talk about it, it's it's everything. It can be. It can be. It can be everything. Mm-hmm. What do you do? You see a a divide, I guess, between sort of pragmatic or useful, beautiful things and art, like art versus artisan. Do you see a divide there? Like, what do you, do you have thoughts on that? Um, yeah, no, that's de- that definitely exists, and that's a very good question. Um, the there is definitely a divide um, in the sense of what people value. So, mm-hmm. like I said, because it's very contextual, um, and I think if we're talking about if we're talking about this from an artistic perspective or just through the you know the perspective of lifestyle, um, the differentiation would come in how refined the extent of refined the extent of how refined it is Mm -hmm. um so with artwork it would be a lot ornamental and a lot more um your your bamboo pieces would be very fine um i was trained to i was trained to make bamboo to the length of approximately four meters and the width of a toothpick so, wow. so I can say at that but that will be my new party trick. I, I can I can hand sculpt a toothpick right now. <laughs> yeah. Can you yeah. do that consistently? Yes, I can. Oh, yeah. brag about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But um, in terms of the utilitarian part, um, it's I think it'd be more about it, you still need to make it refined, but the refined the the extent of how refined it is wouldn't wouldn't really come through the aesthetics. It would come through how it fits in the hand right. and how you hold in the hand, the ergonomics rather, and um, how not to get splinters. <laughs> That's very important. So, so is it to do with, it's to do with what you're measuring then? Yeah, it's to do with what you need it for. Yeah, mm. whether it's, so artwork is one matter. So artwork can be very, you know, beautiful, can be very ornamental, but um, because um, bamboo, it, it's strong, but it can also be fragile. Because um, I think the I think the reason for that is because people assume it's very strong, so they kind of manhandle it in a in in a way that surpasses its actual extent mm-hmm. uh, of strength. Um, so you, in in terms of artwork, you can have something that's very you know beautiful, uh, but you might not necessarily want to use that every day because it's going to wear and tear. Uh, whereas if you're making something utilitarian, it doesn't need to be so beautiful, but as long as it's ergonomically um, you know, uh, stable or um, ergonomically fitting, then that would be the main thing. So if you had a, a bowl, let's say, and it's the world's most beautiful bamboo bowl, but it's terrible to hold, yeah. is that a bad bowl? Oh, well, it depends on where it's being placed at. If it's in a museum, then no worries at all. No one's holding it. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they should. <laughs> Uh, But if it's, you know, if it's your mother, you know, like um, needing it to, or, you know, someone dear to you who's wanting to entertain people, then 
bad bull, very bad bull. <laughs> Sit, bull. <laughs> Stay. Stay. Stay in the museum. Uh, wait, wait. So, so yeah, I, I guess that, that ties back in again to sort of bamboo being a very contextual thing to work with. Yes, yes. Um, from, from my perspective, anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. Other people definitely have ways of seeing this, but I personally think it's very contextual, especially because I've seen it, how it works in Taiwan, I've seen how it works in Australia, mm. um, and also I've seen, because I was trained to do it in a very artistic manner, but um, the people who I hang out with in Bamboo Mountain, they do it in a very utilitarian manner. So just seeing the, the whole spectrum of everything, I'm like, yeah, it's definitely very contextual. Do you find, do you find, and you don't have to name names, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do, do you find that there are people who... Um, have a perspective that it is one way or another? Oh, what are certainly. some other bamboos, bamboos, other perspectives on bamboo that you've seen? Oh, certainly. Um, and I think it's not just with bamboo. I think it's uh, in any industry, it's, it's human nature yeah, to, to have a perspective, which is good. Um, so, for example, a few different perspectives that are out there is... Um, so, yeah, you can, you can go very artistic about it and, um, you know, anything that is not beautiful even uh, so e anything that is not beautiful even though it's nice to hold um, is not a good thing that, mm -hmm. that, that can be one perspective um, and another could be um, uh, wanting to just use the cheapest when I say the cheapest part of the bamboo I mean um, so just a quick little summary is the outer skin is the part that's the strongest and the inner fibres what we call the flesh is the cheapest part because that's the weakest. It's usually people just burn it. Um, so anyone, they, they could also be people who just want to use that part because they, well, you know, they just need it for the home, so they don't need that to last forever. Um, but then there's also a perspective that's in between where it's like, well, here's a traditional craft. It's not just about how beautiful it is. It's not just about um, how useful it is. It's about the scientific, um, you know, properties of this material how can we innovate with it yeah so I think that's definitely the direction ahead with bamboo it's not just mm. necessarily a traditional craft or a utilitarian you know vessel it, it can be it is it can be a material for the future if you yeah if you look at it scientifically yeah, yeah well um I mean as we move sort of into this economy of everything being a social enterprise that you know uh your thing is really good for humanity, but also makes you a lot of money. Um, I don't know. Um, this is an economics podcast. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, I saw actually the other night, uh, I believe they're making tampons out of bamboo now. Wow, great. There, there, is a, there is a company fully doing that, and then, of course, half their products are going to women's health in the third world and whatnot. Um, so... You're clearly not wrong about bamboo. Great. I did not know about the tampons, but good to know I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, weird that I know about the tampons. <laughs> but my friend... Shows my, you're very informed. I'm very informed about tampons. Oh, God. Um, uh, <laughs> that's what's going to make him big. <laughs> that's, our, that's our one time producer in the background there, Tyler. He's not coming back. <laughs> um... Hey, yeah, so, um, and the work that you're working on here at House Conspiracy, um, do you have a name for it? Give a little background on what it is. I'm even a little bit in the dark as to what you're doing. I know it rotates. 
Yeah, yeah. Because we took apart a bike wheel the other day. That's right, that's right. Um, With a spoon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So there isn't a definite name for it yet, but um, I think inverse would be part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what it is, it's... um, it's a, a structure, so you can use it either indoors or outdoors. Um, and basically, it, it's an umbrella form. I'll put it that way. Visually, mm-hmm. it's an umbrella form um, that enables people to, to gather under it. Um, and it can be... So during the day, it, it's, a, it's a structure to, to provide some dappled shade mm-hmm. in, in an outdoor area. Uh, but at night time, it, um, it becomes a light. Like a almost like a safe as put in a public area, then it becomes like a beacon of like a of direction, you know. So if it's in a public area, you, you know where you're heading. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's what that is. I saw it during the day. It's it's a marker, so for safety and for mm-hmm. so you can use this during the day and night. Um, I had the idea to to begin something in a very artistic manner, but then I was thinking about the. Well, that's what I was trained trained to do to make everything artistic, like to make every bamboo piece very artistic. But then I thought uh, maybe it'd be good to you know combine a bit of my architectural background, especially with like um, social um, connectedness and um, public space, and see how these elements can kind of combine together. So I'm I'm quite happy with my concept. Um, it's in progress. It's it's getting there. So I hope I hope it works out the way I wanted to work out. Great, cool, and that's going on the deck isn't it uh that was the original intention it, mm. it can still um it, it, it was built your, it was <laughs> <laughs> it can be for the deck but it it can also be indoors so maybe we can even um take it in and out yeah lovely yeah throughout the night just to see the different qualities throughout yeah, cool. um at the showcase and how it affects people yeah yeah contextualization exactly. ah there we go exactly wow. the contextualization we've, we've come full circle <laughs> hey thanks alice yeah thanks Jono. <laughs> thanks for listening to the house conspiracy podcast recorded at house conspiracy produced by me jonathan o'brien and tyler william morrison if you have feedback or you want to say hi, if there's something you'd like to see us do, you can email us at house at houseconspiracy.org and you can email me directly about ideas for future podcasts at jonathan at houseconspiracy.org. You can also support us by becoming a member or by donating to us at houseconspiracy.org slash donate. See you next time.